Good evening and welcome to the French Football Weekly Podcast. My name is Philippa Booth. I'm joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi. And Rich Allen. Good evening. And we're back for uh, a new year of French football. There's been a couple of changes at uh, FFW Towers recently with Big Boss Andrew Gibney moving on to actual work uh, in the field of writing about football. So we are here to attempt to work out how all of this recording business works and bring you a podcast. So since we last spoke, an actual title race has broken out, which is nice. So at this halfway stage, we're looking at Nice on top of the table, followed by Monaco and then PSG in third. So, Jez, how does thing how do things look um, in terms of the title race so far? Are we surprised? Um, definitely surprised. I I had relatively high hopes for Monaco just because in the summer they seem to change their strategy somewhat and decide to actually um, keep more than two players from the previous season which boded well for them but I certainly didn't expect them to be playing anywhere near this kind of champagne football Um, and Nice until some of the transfers, I actually worried for them because the, the sort of core of the team that did so well last year, um, including the manager, of course, um, seemed to have been kind of cut out of them. But they've been an amazing breath of fresh air as well. And also the fact that they're doing it with such a young squad, or both both of them are doing it with such a young squad, I think it's fantastic. And at the moment, PSG, albeit a PSG in transition, um, uh, seem to be struggling to keep up, certainly in terms of the quality of football played um, and also just simply in terms of points. Um, until the last match before before the winter break, I think it was the last match, when Lyon beat Monaco, I think I'd have put Monaco as favourites for the title. Um, I think that that result and you know a couple of sendings off for Nice might play into PSG's hands if they can hit the ground running in January. But it's it's brilliantly set up and it's certainly not going to be sort of usual sleepwalk to the title that it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. So, Rich, how do you? I know you've got a a bit of a thing for Monaco, as we all have. Uh, how do you see things uh, as they've gone so far? Uh, it's been brilliant to see to see someone different. You know, we've been so used to sort of that that three of of Monaco, PSG, and Lyon, perhaps to a lesser extent Marseille. Perhaps not the last couple of seasons, anyway, though. But it's really it is really good. The brand of football that that certainly Nice and Monaco, who are leading the way, are playing is. It's just nice and refreshing to see in Liga and with such a, a horrific reputation for for one might what one might call dull defensive football. Um, to have a team like Monaco who are and I think I think it's still the case that they are the leading goal scorers across certainly the top five European divisions. Um, one goal shy at the halfway point of the season, one goal shy of matching their total goal score from last season. Um, certainly, yeah, Monaco, the team that that I think probably will carry. I know they lost to Leon in the the game just before Christmas, um, but I think certainly Monaco will be the ones I think that will look forward to. Um, yeah, they've got the January transfer window. They've got you know 
reasonable funds available to, to improve that squad if needs be. Um, I, I get a little bit concerned for Nice. You know, we all wax lyrical about the likes of Leicester and, of course, Montpellier before them. But, yeah, I think Monaco certainly are the team to, to, to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I mean, looking at the... I did the stats roundup kind of uh, at the midway point earlier today. Um, Monaco's goal-scoring figures, the conversion rate is frankly ridiculous. It's outside all of the statistical norms for several several seasons. Um, you look at Nice and they're playing a much more fine-margin game. They've won, I think, eight uh, games by one goal. They are facing an awful lot of shots. They have got one of the best defences in terms of stopping those shots in the league. But they are playing very fine margins. You have to think that there's. it wouldn't take much to go wrong for something to go wrong, if you see what I mean. Whereas Monaco's situation might not be sustainable at the same levels they've been playing at so far. But they're already, you know, in a sense so high that uh, in a sense a quite a big knock to that sustainability wouldn't necessarily be that much of a problem it depends obviously where those those differences come and I mean in the next league uh, round we've got PSG away at Rennes, we've got Nice hosting Metz and we've got Monaco away at Marseille and Marseille under Rudy Garcia have turned into being quite a solid defensive unit which I'm not sure anybody saw coming so that might be interesting and also Lyon are of course in fourth place only five points behind PSG but with that game in hand and or three points walkover given depending on uh, the outcome of the disciplinary committee hearing which I think is happening tomorrow about the the called off game against Mets so it is actually quite tight at the top which is nice uh, and makes a change and so we'll be uh, looking forward to a round of games that uh, will put that into a bit more context um, which will be on uh the weekend after next because strangely uh, this year we have a Coupe de France uh, round uh, to kick things off but then also a midweek round of the Coupe de la Ligue uh, quarterfinals happening before Ligue 1 kicks off again so some teams are going to have two games before the next league game um, and so we'll be going forward in a slightly different order from that so Looking at the Coupe de France coming up uh, this weekend, obviously we're in the um, the Trondusiems or the round of 64, so there's an awful lot of games going on. But if we just want to pick out maybe our own team or a key game that we see, uh, Rich, who are your guys facing? <laughs> we're playing uh, we're playing Biarritz in about the 45th division, I think, or something ridiculous like that. Um, I, I was looking through the, the the sort of entire list of fixtures for the this round. I got as far as Nantes, and I thought, bang! There's there's your there's your your, your cup set there. Um, they're playing a, a CFA a der side, and then I remembered, oh god, we're playing a division on her side in Biarritz. So uh, I, I'm afraid to say, if I was to pick your your big cup set with Ren going into the Christmas break so woefully sort of out of form um, uh, if, yeah in, in terms of your cup set I, it's, it's going to be awful because it's 
it's so obviously going to happen. But that's that's your game because, um, as I say, you know, there's, there's a lot the of teams. Sorry, go on, Jay. The team's called um, Joan of Arc beer it, so it should be easy for headline writers as well. If if it oh dear, <laughs> as if we needed any more. Yeah, well, I mean Montpellier are away at Lyon, so that's an obvious banker for a five-one scoreline. Any betting uh, people out there? Uh, I think that's been basically the standard scoreline for the past three seasons or so and would appear to be uh, the way things are going. Uh, meanwhile, Mets are doing what, Derby-wise? <laughs> well, we've got... Um, I mean, there are there are a few decent um, all-League 1, League 1 matchups as well as... Um, mm. as well as Lyon-Montpellier. There's also Toulouse-Marseille, Lorient-Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Derby-wise... The one I look out for maybe is Strasbourg against Epinal, but Mets are—I don't want to call it a derby. Everyone knows what I think about Lens, but we're away to Lens, which also happens to be, if the season ended today, um, would be the playoff for Liga, League, the promotion and relegation, which Rich and I have discussed. It's—it's it's inevitable is going to end up being that. Um, Mets don't have a good record against Lens in the sort of really big important matches. Even last year we got promoted last match of the season with a defeat at Lens. Um, and our supporters have been banned from, from the match. So um, I, I'm not even sure you could call that an upset if Lens won that one to be honest. <laughs> Right. I think one of the the other Liga matchup is PSG versus Bastia, and tickets apparently are on sale for that on the PSG website, starting at five euros. PSG are also currently warming up with a friendly match against Club African of Tunisia, and they are squints at television. 2-0 up at the moment, so they're taking a degree of uh, friendly or uh, cup matches into uh, their first match against um, their first match back in in Ligue 1. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, or just um, selling a lot of Ben Arthur t-shirts. Ah, <laughs> uh, possibly. So um, on in terms of obviously we we spoke a little bit about the management. Obviously, Une Emery um, was looking a little bit. Um, vulnerable at the head of PSG. There were some rumours just before Christmas that he needed a big win or a positive result against Lorient to save his job. Given that they're 20th in the table, that's a pretty low bar to set, but uh, they did clear it very comfortably with a 5-0 win. Um, Things look, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more sorted there. Some of the other new managers who came in in the summer obviously Lucien Favre at Nice, uh, Antoine Combrari at uh, Gangon who were up in fifth uh, are looking very uh, you know very um, impressive. Uh, Rudy Garcia coming in at OM to replace Frank Passy has started to get things sorted. We've already seen however uh, René Girard at Nantes in the summer replaced uh, as things were not going well there. So in terms of managerial changes um, is there anything kind of interesting to look out for? Do we think anybody else is in danger, or, or were some of those decisions maybe a little hasty? Well, I'm wondering on on United Emery. I'm just wondering. 
I almost get the the idea that they they don't particularly give a damn what they do in the league this season. The Unai Emery appointment seems such a an obvious. This is our appointment to try and succeed in Europe. They had Laurent the Laurent Blanc era, which established them, them as the sort of the massive uh, dominant force within France. They now obviously when wanted to you know he couldn't quite take them to the next step. They wanted to get to that next step. Emery was bought in. I almost feel like it's a case of, you know what, chances are PSG are still going to win the league. But if you win it by one point, it doesn't matter. You've been brought in with the specific job to take us that next step in the Champions League. So that's, as far as I'm concerned, where Emery is concerned especially, that's all he's probably going to be judged on. I think what happens in the league and the patchy form that PSG have, have shown so far is to a degree quite irrelevant to Emery's future with the club I think the the powers that be are, are purely purely going to base him on on this is the task you had was succeed in Europe and but given that they have drawn Barcelona <laughs> uh, might that make the league for them <laughs> exactly. become more yeah. relevant um, when possibly that doesn't work out well for them you know, it's uh, it's a tricky situation, but it feels like the maybe Ligue 1 doesn't matter if you're coasting in the the Champions League, but if that goes wrong, all of a sudden, Ligue 1, Ligue 1, Ligue 1. So, you know, it might be a slightly more uh, awkward situation than, in a sense, just in a sense banking Ligue 1 and being able to concentrate on Europe, all of a sudden these terrible upstarts in the in the league have started, you know, beating them and stuff, which makes life a little more difficult. I think that's the problem with, um, we've discussed it so many times about the fact that the, the last few years PSG season really has come down to a couple of matches in sort of March, April time. Um, and... You know, it, although on paper it looked like the easiest match and the least important of all, you know they they done the hard work against Arsenal, um, and and then they stuffed up against Ludogorets. And you know, frankly, this year I'm not sure it makes that much difference whether you finish first or second. There's so many strong teams who finish second anyway. But you know, the fact that they've drawn Barcelona does kind of highlight um, what a, what a slip up it was against Ludogorets. And um, then if, if, as you'd expect, they get knocked out, then it's going to put a hell of a lot of pressure on them to, to make sure they don't throw away the league. And conversely, it could help them in Europe that now they are being tested that little bit more in the league. And so they're not sort of going into it almost um, cold. But yeah, it's I, I agree with Rich. I think that's definitely why... Emery was um, was appointed, which was already risky because I, mean, I think he's he's won pretty much nothing except the Europa League every year, um, and yeah, I think it it could could backfire. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that I feel sorry for them, but it's just it, it is ridiculous that it's got to that kind of stage where they're being judged on on one or two matches, but the you know the the riches they've got, the advantage they've got over everyone else, it has to be that way. And if they were to to somehow not win the league, I think it would it would well, it would be a disgrace, frankly. However good Monaco are, however well Nice are playing, PSG should be walking the league every year without fail. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the other Champions League matchup, uh, 
in the knockout stages, Monaco are facing Manchester City. And I think, you know, that attack versus that defence, this, I think, could be a lot tougher than certain Premier League watchers potentially think it uh, think it will be. So it'll be interesting to see if Monaco can keep their sort of freewheeling goal-scoring ways going there. Meanwhile, in the Europa League, when that kicks back off, we've got Manchester United, who appear to be motoring again versus Saint-Étienne, who kind of aren't. So that looks like uh, possibly a, a Manchester... Victory over two legs there, and AZ Alkmaar versus OL, who are, of course, just kind of coming back into their rhythm, starting to uh, motor on a bit, which is uh, also going to be an interesting couple of matches. So, in terms of looking at individual performances or matches in general, do we have kind of highlights, lowlights, tops, flops, things we want to want to identify uh, looking forward for the rest of the season? I was kind of on that subject, and you know, we said that we all like Monaco. Um, I was just trying to work out what the aggregate score score is for Monaco versus our three teams. Monaco versus what? Mets must. Uh, Cook the La Ligue doesn't Rennes. count here, Jeremy. Please. Hang on, no, <laughs> no, no. I, 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 have a piece of paper from several, several times ago. Uh, they've beaten. So it was 7-0 versus your guys, 6-2 versus Montpellier, 6-0 versus Nancy, 5-0 versus Bastia, and 7-0 versus Ren in the Cup. So that's the t-shirt that we're proposing. <laughs> My team has shipped at least half a dozen to Monaco. How are you doing? Um, I think they're they're pretty scary on that front. But this is my point about the sustainability of their conversion rate is they are absolutely hammering teams. They are not stopping at 3-0 on the grounds that it would be rude to continue. They are continuing to hammer teams that just really want to leave. And that is helping their conversion rate massively. Obviously, their goal scored and goal difference massively. I don't want to say flat track bullies, but they are not stopping uh, rather than, um, you know, uh, beating everybody uh, by those kind of margins. So there is the possibility we've seen, obviously, the, they lost to Nice, which ironically was Nice's biggest win of the season, 4-0. Um, and so it's an interesting situation that they are able to absolutely batter the lower teams. But as we saw also against OL, where they lost 3-1, you know, they aren't perfect. So it's a really kind of interesting mix of attacking vim and verve and still being able to screw up, uh, which we've also seen from Nice, obviously, in that amazing uh, final game before Christmas when they drew nil-nil away at Bordeaux, which was pretty impressive given that four of their usual f main five defenders were out. But they then lost two attacking players to red cards in injury time, both Balotelli and Belhanda getting sent off. So they presumably will have a uh, red card uh, sort of enabled absences rather than the previous they're being managed carefully, maybe he's a bit ill kind of absences. Because looking at the scorer's chart, Edison Cavani is the top scorer in Ligue 1. Um, you've got Mario Balotelli, who's down on eight, but only in nine matches because he's been used so sparingly and he'll be used sparingly for a while during January, given that he's been sent off. So looking at 
the scorers chart, we've got Cavani, Lacazette and Falcao as the top three, followed by Gomis and Alassane Player, um, also on 10. So who are we thinking is one of the kind of tops uh, in attacking terms um, of the players we've seen thus far? Rich, what do you think? Um, I mean, if you're going for strikers, it's, it's brilliant to see Falcao back to... We can't really say his best anymore. It seems to be a bit of a cliche of that now, but something approaching, uh, something Benign. approaching, yeah, close to close to um, his best form because it's. Um, I mean, some of his goals this season have been been absolutely brilliant. I remember, I think it was one in the Champions League, actually, a sort of swivel and swivel turn and instant shot. It's like it, we, we've sort of. He's become a bit of a joke the last two seasons with his sort of ill-fated stint in the Premier League of, you know, oh, what is this player? He can't do it in the Premier League. Well, he's not going to do it in the Premier League because he's injured, he's not playing, he's unfit. So he's obviously worked really, really hard over the summer. Jardine's brought him in. He's given the responsibility of captaincy um, in, in a number of games and he's just thrived in it. He really has. He's looked sharp. He's looked up for it. He's got that eye for goal. Um, I, I've been hugely impressed with him, uh, along with a you know a whole host of players in that Monaco side. Um, you know, you could make a very strong point for your team of the season to be you know Nice defence, Monaco midfield and attack. So, um, but yeah. Falcao is certainly one in, in terms of an attacking threat. Really, really impressed with Falcao's sort of return to form. Yeah, they've got. I think Monaco have had fifteen goal scores so far in all competitions. <laughs> fifteen, and that's not counting own goal. Who, <laughs> given given the panic they can uh, sort of engender in opposition defences, has chipped in with one or two. So, how about you, Jez? Who do you think is is one of the tops, one of the highlights in that in that sense? Of the strikers, I mean, of the sort of out and out goal scorers. <laughs> Weirdly, I haven't been that impressed with any of them. I guess Falcao because he's coming from a long way back, but still, I, I still think Cavani misses too many chances to to really be classed as a you know as an, a superb striker. It was after the the mess match that very early in the season that um, Vincent Duluc wrote a brilliant um, editorial in in L'Equipe saying Cavani will get. 30 goals at the end of the season because um, PSG will give him that many chances that he can yeah. miss as many as he wants and he'll score, still score that many and I do think that's being borne out I'm still not that impressed with when I see him to be honest I, don't, I haven't seen Lacazette play well since the first couple of matches I think he's, he was a bit unlucky with injuries but um, you know it's still penalties that are making the, the stats look particularly good um, I think of the of the names that you mentioned, Gomez. I I still I love Gomez just because, you know, a bit like Giroud here, he gets so much stick. But I don't think he's ever claimed to be anything more than he is. Yeah, he's he's a lump up front, and he get, and he's offside more often than not. But the fact is that for a lot of this season, he's the only thing that's kept Marseille going. So you know, you've got to give him a bit of credit for that. And of the, yeah, of the players mentioned, the one I've been the most impressed with is, is Player. 
because I, I don't think he's just been scoring. I think he's bringing others into play. He's obviously he hasn't got the name of of some of those other players, and yet he's you know he's, he's making a name for himself. Um, you know, alongside a, a bigger name and a bigger personality like Balotelli, he's he's certainly sort of um, you know standing up and being counted. And I think I think he's been great to watch. And you know, another part of the with you know people like Cyprian behind him and, and Saar behind him, I think one of the most um, fun things to watch this season. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know he looks player looks. Yes, he's less flashy than Balotelli, but I think he he looks the, the more reliable, possibly if you were looking at a, a, a longer span of matches. I mean, looking at the Nice uh, situation, also obviously um, Cyprien's been brilliant, but also Thomas <coughs> uh, Seri has been doing very fine work in uh, a kind of a slightly more uh, restrained fashion. That he's got um, eight uh, assists so far, and just looking down the in a sense the the scorers charts a little further, you've got two players from Dijon who are both on five. Lois Diony, who's also got uh, a five assists, and uh, uh, Julio Tavares. I mean, Dijon having just come up, I'm actually looking, you know, they've been up and down a bit, but they look okay uh, that they might be doing, they might be able to stay up. They've still got no away wins, but they, they've been a little bit unlucky perhaps in some of their... Um, some of their games, but in terms of the promoted teams that have come up, obviously they're doing okay. Uh, Nancy are doing okay. Mets a little bit more problematic, but um, you know, how do we see that panning out with maybe the relegation battle as well? Is it going to be the newly promoted teams going down again, or are there going to be other candidates for that? Do we think uh, the ones that have come up? I think I think you're still probably looking at. Dijon perhaps is your slight favourites of the three to stand any chance of staying up, purely on the basis that they can score goals. You know, we, we say it countless times, season after season. You score goals, you have a chance of staying up. Yes, they concede a, a, a hatful as well, but if you, if you are still scoring, you will pick up points along the way. Um, you know, you look at Mets, you look at Nancy, and their goal-scoring tallies just, just don't match up, really. I mean, you're looking at I think what one other, maybe two other teams who scored fewer, um, and I think that's then where it becomes your problem because if you are still conceding, you're not scoring. It's it's simple maths really. Nancy, of course, now will have lost uh, Clermont Longley. He's off to, Longley, to Sevilla. Thank yeah. you. Was that confirmed today? I think I saw. Uh, looks like it. Um, how much of a blow that will be? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, he's. We all know how good a. A young player here, so to have lost him, fortunately at the start of the transfer window, so maybe they can pick up a, you know, cheap, experienced defender maybe to replace him. But it's it's goals that that Nancy and Mets will need. Um, I think as Jez rightly predicted at the start of the season, perhaps Mevlut Erding is not the the striker you can be relying on to to score you those goals to keep you up. But uh, I, I do hope he does. I think Metz's problem at the moment is, um, despite the odd very bad, very bad results, um, they were sort of keeping more or less afloat until one particular week where they 
they got smashed by Nossi in sort of the big local derby, which is humiliating and hurtful and everything, but some fans went way overboard. I mean, it is still one match and three points. Um, and then the next match, they reacted fantastically for the first half hour, were pretty much all over Lyon. Um, 19, 20 year olds have just scored an absolutely fantastic goal, his first, first professional goal. And then um, an idiot or two throw, throw flares onto the pitch, and everyone knows what's happened since then. And as Phil said, tomorrow will either be uh, penalised with a 3 0 win for Lyon, or um, you know, at best replay the match. But for the moment, the stands closed, and more than that, within Mets, it's um, the the sort of main. Uh, supporter group has been banned from the stadium until further notice, which has ca caused internally a spectacular level of bad blood. You just, so, you just hope as a Mets fan, though, I suppose, it doesn't come down to a what-if moment of, you know, if that match, to, you know, if, if that idiot hadn't flown the flare, if they'd have held on for that 1-0 win, all of a sudden they're in 12th place in the division if, you know, those three points had counted. So you do hope that come the end of the season it's not something that they will regret that's what much. i'm worried about but not even in terms of the points it's more the sort of everything that's that's followed from that and that they are in a bad place at the moment and as you said it's you know there's four points separating i think 11th from 18, 19th or something like that so yeah it is very close and you know a little run can make a big difference but mor also got... morale is very low there but as well you know, as the obviously the might help. Yeah, but as well as the, the Mets situation, obviously there's the Nantes-Con uh, have both got games in hand after um, Fog versus French football um, in December as well. So we've actually got quite a few games in hand at the bottom, which are going to complicate that, as you say, very tight situation where Montpellier in a are in 11th on 22 points, and then you go down to Caen in 19th, on 18 points you, you, and you mentioned... Lorient on 15 look a bit screwed but you know who knows well, you, you mentioned tight. earlier on the, the changes of manager and that's another thing at Mets a lot of been, people have been talking about you know um, Hinchbescher is a, a, an amazingly loyal servant for Mets played his whole career there won two cups with them um, everyone sort of wants him to succeed but I think there's a feeling generally that it's a bit like Cartier again that he just doesn't have the level of coaching skill to cut it in Liga, um, and you know Lorient are a bit adrift, but they did have a bit of a bounce. Not won a couple in a row and, and yeah. climbed out of the bottom. <laughs> there often the... seems to be a bit of a sort of honeymoon period when a team gets a new coach, and I don't, I don't obviously don't think it should come to that, but. That's another what if. What if the sort of couple of wins that you pick up under a new coach before plateauing back to your poor level could be the difference between the team staying up or going down? Yeah, I mean, looking at the kind of the the form the last five games up to Christmas, uh, teams without a win are Mets, Angers, and Bordeaux. Uh, interestingly, so yeah. We've had we've seen like Nantes have won the last two. Lorient have had a little bit of a bounce and you know appeared to be trying, uh, which was uh, which was um, a positive. So they have pulled up a bit, but 
I think this this battle this year is going to be really tight, and it's going to involve basically all of the bottom half for quite a long period. Uh, safety is going to be something that happens maybe later rather than sooner for a lot of the, the teams down there. So it's going to be get quite uh, maybe attritional and uh, whites of their eyes uh, once we get into kind of March-April time uh, and things start shaking out a bit down there. Okay, so um, in terms of predictions for what's going to happen next, uh, does anybody have any uh, anything they want to hang their hat on, either short-term or long-term, for that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I suppose it, if, uh, if we were to look at the relegation, I know we've just said that it's going to be very, very tough. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see how Lorient are going to get out of this. They're going to be losing Waris and Mukanjo for you know an extended period of time. Benjamin Jano, their other striker, has said, "Yep, yeah, I want to go to Toulouse. Thanks very much." Um, there's rumours they're supposedly keeping an eye on Andy Delors, who apparently wants to come back to France. Um, they're going to need him <laughs> if, they, if they're going to have any chance of staying up. They're going to need him. Because uh, I, I do, I do fear for them. Um, really, really like Khan. I, I have strong fears about them. I was full of praise of them last season. Sadly, you, the, the sort of relying on the more elder statesmen of, of the league will only get you so far, and that sadly has uh, uh, sort of come back to bite them. Um, uh, an Angers again. I, I, you know, we'll have to make, we'll have to see if the inspired loan signing of uh, of, of Berigo will will uh, turn their fortunes they're, around. Yeah, they're also no losing a seven. couple of big players in the for the uh, African Cup of Nations. Yeah, we're, we're, where do you go? We're not getting the can squad complete. Uh, sign of final squad deadline is Saturday, but. We've already of the three teams that have declared their final squads as 15 France-based players. So there will be an impact and we'll be keeping an eye on that, obviously, as the final squads are announced. But yeah, that could um, hit a couple of teams hard, not necessarily in terms of numbers, but in key players that they, they might be losing there. So we'll be obviously keeping an eye on that as well. Okay. So, um, we've got the Coupe de France kicking off uh, over this long weekend. And that's going to be uh, an interesting range of everything from the seventh tier up to Ligue 1, obviously. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye, hopefully, on all of the games as they come in, if available. And seeing how that pans out before the Coupe de la Ligue uh, quarterfinals happen midweek uh, and then Ligue 1 kicks off again after that. So we'll be keeping an eye on everything. Uh, thank you for listening and look out for um, all previews and reviews that will be going up on the site and we'll be with you again very soon. Bye bye.